0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. And that's exactly what we are helping all of you to do. I'm pro-life leader Frank Pavone, director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Uh, Friends, we're going to take a look at some of the dynamics in the 2024 elections and the presidential race, Senate and House. We uh, are going to, uh, we always have to be thinking about these things, gaining new insights, talking with one another about it. Just want to throw a few thoughts into the mix, nothing fancy, uh, drawn from some articles uh, that I have here in front of me. And as we always do on these programs, we bring all this to prayer, right? We bring this to the to the Word of the Lord. And I want to use a, an interesting passage here that uh, comes at towards the end of the book of Job. Now you know God allowed Job to lose a lot of things, to undergo terrible sufferings, and uh, Job then uh, was trying to explain all of this, and and uh, and. And many other people were giving him advice and giving him counsel. And finally, in the end, you know, God is listening to all these people say all these things about why all this testing is happening of Job. And then the Lord answers at the end after Job is. Uh, I mean, Job is very, very, very patient, um, but he does. But he does challenge uh, 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 what is happening here, and he in the end, is confronted by God himself. And that's the passage I want to read. It's the 38th chapter of Job. This is the beginning part of it. Because then it speaks to all of us who, before God Almighty, have to have this sense of complete humility. It's like, Lord, you know everything. We, by comparison, don't know anything. And uh, it's a powerful passage, especially as we encounter all this uncertainty about what's going on in America and the world and the volatility of our political life for reasons that we'll trace out in some of these articles. So let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and of his word. The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I will question you and you answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea within its doors when it burst out from the womb? when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stilled. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal, and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea, or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare. If you know all this, let us pray. Lord, like Job, we are to come before you with humility. We do not know, we cannot probe the depths of your knowledge and wisdom. We are to be humble servants, quiet in your presence, listening far more than speaking. Give us, Lord God, that sense of humility and reliance on you, especially as we deal with the problems in our nation and in the world, especially as we deal with the questions raised by this election in which we are now immersed. Lord, we do not know. We cannot know. You are the one alone who knows the past, the present, the future. You are the one who can probe the human mind and heart and chart out the paths that we must follow. Give us humility, Lord God, and may we always have a thirst to learn from you. Instruct us by your Spirit. Give us knowledge and wisdom. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, you know, I've always recommended cookpolitical.com, and that's where I got these articles that I... Just want to share a few thoughts uh, about. Cook Political It's a great source for you for ongoing analysis of the, the current election season. Really, really good insights from top experts. Not just statistical, there are statistical analyses there, but broader kinds of analysis like I'm going to talk about here. Really, really helpful. And uh, for a very, what I think is a very reasonable uh, fee, you can be a regular subscriber to certain content there on CookPolitical.com that you can get uh, without charge. And then uh, for subscription, uh, again at a reasonable rate, you can get some, some, a lot of uh, additional content. So it's the we hear it all the time. Uh, it's the most important election uh, of our of our history. And it's, that's certainly something that can always be true year after year, but there really is something different about this current election that makes that statement more appropriate than ever to, to say because it's, it's hard to overstate the implications of this particular race. Now, when it comes to the nomination, as we've been saying here on the Republican side of the ticket, Charlie Cook here uh, points out that um, this Republican presidential nomination has not been seriously contested in nine months. And uh, nothing short of an act of God is going to change the, the trajectory here that President Trump is on to win the nomination. And in fact, it looks like before any kind of criminal verdicts against him are handed down or even before any trials take place, uh, that uh, he is going to have a clear majority of the delegates uh, to win the uh, Republican nomination. So he makes that point to begin with. And he says, look, you know, other than uh, all these um, uh, polls, look at the swing states. And, and that's what I've been advocating for a long time is that we've got to turn our attention to what's going on in the swing states for the general election. Because, as I've pointed out to you, including very recently, it's going to be just a handful of states by margins like 10, 20, 30, 40,000. We're not talking in the millions that this election will be decided. He mentions Arizona, Georgia. I mean, basically, all the lists are, 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 are the same Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. He throws in North Carolina. All right. So what we have here, of course, is the polling is close, but President Trump has the advantage here. He leads in about five of these seven key states, with the other two either tied or showing a very, very small Biden uh, lead. This looks more difficult than, uh, for Biden than it did uh Four years ago. Will Biden, in fact, be the nominee on the Democrat side? Well, (laughs) Charlie here says um, uh, he seems to be he seems to be in in it to stay. But, you know, uh, anything can happen. He could have a change of heart or uh, things can be forced uh, upon him here. But um, as we've discussed before, there's a lot of difficulty that the Democrats have in terms of any prospect of doing that, especially not just because of the bitter uh, 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 infighting that this would entail within the the party, but also because of the practicality of deadlines to be on the ballot, uh, the need to build up a campaign and and get the the volunteers out there and the donors and the momentum. Um, It's not impossible. But with every day that goes by, without a significant change here, it's very improbable that they would be able to pull this off. Unless, again, they're forced to by uh, an act of God. Okay. What are the voters that are undecided most concerned about? And he talks here about, all right, you've got the, the, the loyal Trump base, you've got those that are clearly against uh, President Trump. And then you've got roughly 10% of the electorate that is not affiliated with either party and are ambivalent about President Trump. But what he says is, the issue is not what the Democrats are trying to make it out to be. Oh, President Trump is a threat to democracy. or Oh, he's not fit to be president. What are these undecided voters more concerned about? and this is what a message that we have to keep uh, emphasizing, they're concerned about how their lives will be affected, how their lives will be affected. This is why, as I pointed out yesterday, it's a big mistake for the Biden campaign to be focusing in on this, oh, well, he's a threat to democracy and whatnot. And, and, and in that speech that he gave the other night, that offensive, divisive speech, Didn't even mention, remember I showed you yesterday the long list of important issues, important in the sense that they are affecting the lives of voters. Biden didn't even mention them. Inflation, crime, uh, open border. The question is going to be, do the voters want, and this is usually what presidential elections come down to, do the voters want the status quo or do they want change? Are their lives better now? than they were under the previous president? Do they want their lives to be what they were like under the previous president? Do they want prices to be like they were under the previous president? Do they want the safety of their neighborhoods to be like they were under the previous president? This is more determinative than this, all this, this, your sky is falling rhetoric by uh, Biden with demonic uh, red backgrounds uh, behind him. You know, you no longer have in this presidential race, by the way, when it comes to a change in the status quo, you no longer have the you know the advantage that an unknown might have, or on the other hand, a disadvantage. It's like, okay, what are we going? We know what this guy's about. What are we going to get under this guy? Here, you've got two people, in Trump and Biden, who are known, and and they have a track record, not just a track record. They each have a presidential track record, so that introduces a a uh, a, 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 a rather u- unique dynamic here. They both have a presidential track record, so there are less unknowns going on here, and it's a more clear-cut choice, it seems to me, uh, for the uh, voters. What's not good for Biden, like uh, recent uh, Wall Street Journal. Survey said only 23% said they thought that Biden's policies have helped them, while 53% said that Biden's policies have hurt them. Again, coming down to what's going on in my life. And when you're talking with your fellow voters, make that the question. Half of voters, 50%, said Trump's policies helped them, Only 37% said they were hurt by them. And, of course, on issues like economy, inflation, border security, uh, President Trump has a significant lead, 20 to 25 points over Biden. On the question of whom do voters more trust to deal with the issue? Okay. The Biden campaign also has an argument that, well, you know, as we go further into this election, voters are going to be reminded, those that voted against President Trump last time around, they're going to be reminded of why they did so. And there again, the question becomes, will a memory of why they voted against President Trump last time, when Biden had no presidential track record, Is that really going to outweigh the reality of what life is like now under those Biden policies? That, that is where we have to keep the focus. Biden is also, Mr. Cook says, more deeply underwater today with voters on the economy, underwater being, of course, your disapproval numbers are higher than your approval numbers more deeply underwater with voters on the economy than he was in 2020, or than Obama was back in, uh, in, uh, in 2012. Okay. Then there's another article that came up here about the, the May voters. It's like, uh, eh, I don't know. And these kind of voters, you know, somewhat disapproving of the job that the current president is doing. Normally, That kind of an attitude will cause the voter to vote against that president and and his party. So you can measure this in the presidential election when someone is up for re-election. Well, how are those who are somewhat disappointed in your performance going to vote? Are they going to re-elect you or not? And you can look at it in the terms of a midterm election if in the midterms, you got that segment of voters that are just somewhat disappointed with the job that the president is doing. Will they v- support his party in the midterms? When, when we look at this last um, midterm, we saw an anomaly. That even though you had voters somewhat disapproving, many of course strongly disapproving, but among those somewhat disapproving, they still voted for Democrats. So the question is, how will this go, of course, in uh, this current presidential race? Now you've got them voting for the person himself with whom they are somewhat disapprove, uh, uh, disapproving, not just for the party. So it's likely to be more negative for Biden. But you have this anomaly that happened in the 2022 midterms, and the question is, will that Will that blunt the effect of people being disapproving of Biden's uh, presidency? Will that blunt the effect that it has, the negative effect that it has on him or on the other Democrat um, tickets? That's what remains to be seen. Uh, an NBC survey this November showed tr- President Trump leading Biden by five points among the voters who uh, rated Biden somewhat disapprovingly. All right. Let's turn to the Senate, and again, cookpolitical.com, I want to recommend it to you for uh, a lot of good articles and insights into the elections. Basically, the Senate is back to 50-50 because Manchin has said he's not running. I mean, back to 50-50 in terms of the, uh, the, uh, the election. Because Manchin is not running, so that's almost certainly going to go into Republican hands again. That'll be a flip. Can the Democrats uh, flip a a Senate seat the other way to make up for that difference? And remember, whoever wins the presidency, they've got uh, a control of the Senate. They've got a tie-breaking vote, I should say, in the Senate uh, in the the person of the vice president. But... um, For electoral arithmetic, it's a 50-50 split right now. And the Democrats have a very strong disadvantage in the U.S. Senate race map this year. You've got a phenomenon in presidential elections that U.S. Senate races tend to go along with the direction of the presidential race. They tend to go in the same direction. And that's not good news for the Democrats. The Democrats are defending two Senate seats in states that are red. So Trump won twice, Montana and Ohio, and uh, they're defending their Senate uh, seats there. Those should be uh, flippable. And then four other states where President Trump won in 2016. Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So you've got, the fact that you've got Key Senate races in states that are also key for the presidential race bodes well for Republicans. Because, again, the U.S. Senate races tend to move in the same direction as the presidential races. Uh, over the last two cycles, to show how how that's true, uh, the presidential results were close to the Senate results. Uh, in 2016, every state went the same way. In other words, where there was a Senate race that went the same way as the presidential race, and then in 2020, the only exception to that was in was in Maine, where uh, President Trump did not win the state, but but uh, Republican Senator Susan Collins did win reelection. But of course, we know that she's uh, she's uh, um, often votes against uh, the uh, values that we hold as as conservative uh, conservatives and Republicans. So, can Tester in Montana and Brown in Ohio pull off the same thing? Uh, that, would, uh, that would require quite a quite a bit of strength. And uh, I think that's very, very much uh, in question. Finally, what about the U.S. House? And we're going to pray over all of this. Um, but a few more thoughts from these uh, these articles. The U.S. House essentially right now is electorally speaking too close to call. It's hard to say which way that this is going to go. One of the things it's going to depend on is redistricting. And it's not quite clear if you take everything and put it all together. It's still not quite clear how the redistricting that's been going on, and there are still some legal battles that have to unfold. A lot of this redistricting stuff gets sorted out in the courts. And, you know, census was taken 2020 and then the boundaries based on the population, the boundaries of the of the congressional districts are redrawn. The process is different in every state and then you redraw boundaries that can, that can, uh, that can mean that the electorate that that representative in Congress has to, has to get to vote for him or her, uh, it, 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 those demographics can shift as the boundaries shift. Okay, that's what this is all about. There are redistricting lawsuits that are still pending in Georgia uh, and in um, Louisiana. Uh, and also, uh, federal courts and even the Supreme Court uh, can end up having a say in some of these uh, some of these uh, skirmishes. So it's too hard to predict. Um, but let's take another another uh, higher look at, at at how explosive things are. A little bit of history here. Let me just quote directly from this article: After the House flipped from Republican to Democrat. Back in 1953, now imagine this: the House did not get a Republican majority again for 40 years. There was the Republican wave in 1994. Uh, this was uh, the Newt Gingrich during the uh, during the uh, presidency first term of President Clinton. But since then, since Clinton left office in the dozen years, the dozen elections beginning in 2000, the house, which again hadn't changed for four decades, has changed hands four times. 2007, 2011, 2019, 2023. And the Senate has flipped control five times during that period. So then the presidential elections, both in 16 and in 20 had trifecta outcomes in other words white house house senate all went in the same direction you know what this this means and, and we talked about this when we've talked about the um a theme that we're going to get back to when we've talked about the uh, electoral college we've shown that you know the wisdom of the founders in requiring um uh, and also when we've talked about and explained in the u.s senate the importance of the uh, of the filibuster, is that if you don't require more than a 50% plus one majority for deciding public policy, in certain circumstances at least, then you have this, uh, what this article calls calls a whipsawing effect. That... If you have a a Democrat trifecta, you're going to get policies enacted pretty easily going all in one direction. Again, the filibuster is a check on that because now you require not just the control of the, the control of the Senate should always be put in quotation marks because without 60 votes, you don't really have control. Um, But the point is there are a lot of policies that as these administrations change every four years and the Senate, uh, uh can shift every every two years you've got this complete reversal of policies on important matters look at the issue i deal with all the time the abortion issue you get very dramatic changes that can come overnight as to whether for example Planned Parenthood receives tens of millions of dollars of uh, extra of uh, tax money or whether uh, our money goes to fund abortion overseas. These are things that, you know, executive uh, power can change literally overnight and on very important issues. I mean, after a while, it's not good as the American people are seeing this this back and forth, back and forth in such a short window of time when people hardly even have a, a chance to build the kind of consensus uh, that they that they want to build. All right. It is possible, this article concludes, that with Trump, let me just read this, with Trump leading in many of the swing states that Biden won in 2020, as well as in the national poll averages, and that bodes very well, because you're actually doing much better than the national polling uh, will tell you. And the Senate, very likely to flip into Republican hands. And the House, basically a toss-up right now. It's not hard to envision a Republican trifecta as a result of 2024 that would certainly go a long way to saving our country reclaiming our liberty against the tyranny and the destruction that the democrats have brought upon us let's turn back to prayer father we uh, we once again put ourselves in the position of job we don't know the future and lord we we don't even we don't even claim to understand the present without very, very, very humbly turning to you and saying all our knowledge is is tentative. Lord, only you see exactly what is happening. Only you understand with profound and 100% truth what is going on. And that is why each day, Lord, as we read these articles, as we think these things through, as we consult with experts, as we conduct surveys, as we, as we share insights with all our fellow voters, we have to ultimately come to you on our knees. And like Job, put our hands over our mouths and say, Lord, you, you give us wisdom. You are our source of knowledge. May we always stay rooted, O God, in your word May we always seek the guidance and inspiration of your Spirit. Help us, Lord God, through these confusing times. Help us, Lord God, to know what we need to know and to do what we need to do to save this nation. We pray for one another, Lord God, and we bring together now all of our prayers, praises, and needs as we say the prayer that Jesus gave us. Our Father who art in heaven, I always welcome your own uh, feedback, and uh, join me again tomorrow for more of praying for America.
1: This is Father Dennis Wilde, Pastoral Associate of Priests for Life, been in the organization for 25 years, and it's marvelous because I want to tell you today about financial support for one of our most effective pro-life ministries in the world. Priests for Life has been leading the fight against abortion for decades. We are led by a strong and varied team of pro-life activists and experts in mobilizing churches, electing pro-life candidates, leading prayer efforts, publishing and broadcasting, healing the wounds of abortion, uniting pro-life leaders in strategy, meetings, defending life in the international arena. All of this, Priest for Life does not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have very high evaluations among charities and top security on our donation site, prolifegift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor. Or you can call us at 321 500 That's 321 500 God bless you. Priests for Life, Saving lives for over 30 years.
0: This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.